0: It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 33 of Sports Day Plus. At 6.15, it is the first of a three-segment chat with comedian Louis Katz ahead of his headlining shows at Creek and the Cave this weekend. In a mere seconds, the Cowboys lay an absolute egg in Buffalo on Sunday and more from NFL Week 15. I am your host, Trey Elling. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Courtesy Wave and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. We are officially in the stretch run of the 2023 NFL season. Lots of jockeying going on right now. Playoff positioning, division crown positioning. In some cases, the possibility of first round by in the playoff positioning, if you can get that one seed in your respective conference and of course the dallas cowboys are squarely in the mix of a lot of these conversations having put themselves there especially after a big win over the philadelphia eagles two weekends ago well they had another chance to really show other nfl teams that they are true on contenders with a Sunday afternoon game in Buffalo, a Bills team that itself is fighting for its playoff lives, had a big win in Kansas City the previous week. Arrowhead not as daunting as it is most years, but still notable for a Bills team that was 6 and 6 heading into that game in Buffalo, despite the fact that they were a game over 500 before hosting the Cowboys on Sunday. Looked a lot better than that on paper. The point differential was much better than a 7-6 and six record would suggest. And they have really good pieces on both sides of the ball. So this is an intriguing matchup. The best matchup uh, in terms of overall intrigue in this week in the NFL season. And unfortunately for Cowboys fans, it was a, another stark reminder that even though you've taken some major steps this season, you probably still have a ways to go. Especially if you can't prove the ability to play a little bit more consistently on the road than what we've seen throughout the course of this season. There was a stretch when the Cowboys were just beating the heck out of everybody where you started to feel better about that, but it was against bad competition. And unfortunately, against the Bills on Sunday afternoon, it was pretty ugly early on. Buffalo jumps out to a 7 nothing lead in the first quarter eventually lead 21 to three heading into halftime. And although the final score is 31 to 10, it didn't feel that close. The Cowboys scored a garbage time touchdown late. They kept their starters in late to get that touchdown. Curious decision. I know that you want your guys to get their reps and you want them to work things out, but it's cold in Buffalo. It just seemed like a very unnecessary risk being taken by Mike McCarthy right now, but the Cowboys did get that late touchdown CD lamb touchdown. Uh, but, uh, Dak Prescott was not very good in this game. You just heard C.D. Lamb touchdown. If you didn't watch the game, you would assume that was a receiving touchdown. No, that was actually a rushing touchdown for C.D. Lamb, technically. Uh, Dak Prescott, 21 of 34 in this game, 134 yards, no touchdowns, interception. And he was bound to have one of these games. You still feel good about what he can give you going forward. Uh, but really the biggest concern for this Cowboys team right now is just how... They got outplayed on both sides of the ball along the lines of scrimmage. And credits to the Buffalo Bills for not just doing a good job against a pretty solid Cowboys offensive line. But that Bills offensive line did a great job of neutralizing an exceptional Cowboys defensive line. I mean, Josh Allen barely had to throw the football because the Bills were having so much success running the ball. James Cook, the big story here. I mean, he's turned into one of the best running backs in the NFL this season. 25 carries, 179 yards, a touchdown. Ty Johnson adds nine for 54. And the Bills show what has been a weakness for this Cowboys defense this year, and that is stopping the opposition's rushing attack. If they can't get that fixed, they're SOL. Because at this point, you are likely staring at Most, if not all, your potential playoff games being on the road. Now, the Cowboys do still have a chance to win the division. Especially because Philadelphia went into Seattle last night. And I know Jalen Hurts wasn't 100%. Had been dealing with an illness. Sucked it up. Decided to play. But you did just lose to the Drew Locke-led Seattle Seahawks. On a late touchdown pass by Drew Locke. Who, even in his late 20s, is still securing the bag. Like, during his... Days at Missouri, where he was getting openly mocked by Tom Herman on the sideline of a Longhorns victory over Missouri in the Texas Bowl. An era of Texas football that we don't think back on too fondly because, well, the team wasn't that good, and the coach was kind of an embarrassment also. Yeah, that Drew Locke, still securing the bag, still throwing touchdown passes too, apparently. Credit to him. Cool moment for him. It great a great postgame interview by Lisa Salters as well on Monday Night Football after the fact, where he was clearly emotional Uh, She asked some really good questions and got a great post-game interview out of Drew Locke. But for Cowboys fans, you celebrate. Because even though it still seems unlikely, you are tied with the Eagles right now record-wise. But they have a much easier final three games than you do. You're at Miami this week. They are vying for the one seed in the AFC. The Lions the week after that, they are looking at playoff positioning right now as well as Tying up a division crown. As it currently stands, the Lions are in the driver's seat in the NFC North. I think they only need to win one more game, and they have technically clinched. But at that point, you are still trying to get playoff positioning. And the Lions have have an outside chance at the one seed. It would take a pretty big collapse by the 49ers. But otherwise, they could get the two seed in the NFC playoffs. I don't know how many people thought that would be the case at this point in the year, that they would still be in contention for that, but they are tied record-wise with the Cowboys and Eagles right now. So that'll be a huge game for both teams, possibly bigger for the Lions, though. But then again, if the Cowboys can actually beat Miami this weekend, who knows? Because Philadelphia has struggled mightily, so you cannot take any matchup on their record the rest of the way, on their schedule the rest of the way, for granted. Because you just don't know what you're going to get out of them. And the Cowboys do have an easy-er one to finish the season. I believe that's an away game against the Washington Commanders, but it is an away game against a division rival, likely Ron Rivera's last game in Washington if he's not fired by then. So you do have some time to try and figure some things out and rebuild some momentum heading into the postseason. But all that goodwill essentially went out the window with a blowout loss to Buffalo on Sunday. The San Francisco 49ers very clearly still the cream of the crop. Yeah, they just beat Arizona. But they won another game by 12 or more points, beating the Cardinals 45-29. to 29. And it does seem like, assuming that they can stay healthy, and I get it, that's a big assumption. Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, all those guys have their own injury issues. So to keep them healthy the rest of the way is a big task. But if they stay healthy it is the 49ers and then everybody else bar none. And they do it again, beating the Cardinals 45 to 29. How about the LA Rams really coming on over the last month of the season? They're back to 500 now at seven and seven after beating the Washington commanders, Cleveland Browns still find ways to win games. Baker Mayfield going perfect or having the perfect QBR in Lambeau, that has only happened a t- handful of times in NFL history. In Tampa, uh, regains control in their mediocre to bad division. Thanks in part to Arthur Smith completely sucking as a head coach, continuing to find ways not to use Bijan Robinson, and losing to the lowly Carolina Panthers on Sunday. That is embarrassing. I mean, that guy is angling to be out of a job at the end of the season. And I think he got a show of support within the last week or two. If I'm Arthur Blanks, I don't know if I wait to the end of the year. I don't give them a chance to sneak into the playoffs to justify keeping Arthur Smith around for one more year. Guy's an abomination. And there are good pieces on that Falcons offense that he is completely wasted. And it seems like there's some petulance going on there right now too. Which is a bad sign for any player or coach. But when you're head coach is being petty with how he's going about his business that is a major red flag and may keep him from jobs in the future all right we will continue the nfl conversation for a few minutes on the other side then i'm going to be joined by stand-up comedian louis katz head of his headlining shows at creek in the cave this weekend
1: it's sports day plus with trey ellie it's sports day plus with trey ellie
0: Just a couple more quick thoughts on NFL Week 15 before my conversation with stand-up comedian Louie Katz is going to be at Creek in the Cave this weekend. I would be remiss as a former Houston Oilers fan. I guess technically I'm still a Houston Oilers fan. I just don't have a team to root for. Thanks to Bud Adams ripping the team away from the city More than two decades ago. Gosh, almost three decades at this point. Crazy to think that it's been that long. And the NFL did relax their alternate jersey rules this year, which allowed Tennessee to pull back out those old love you blue Houston Oilers uniforms despite the fact that their fan base has zero emotional attachment to the Houston Oilers. And leave it to the Adams family despite despite the fact that Bud Adams is no longer around, good riddance, to do something petty that would make their dead dad proud. Choosing to deploy the old school Houston Oilers uniforms when the Titans hosted the Texans last weekend. Now this is something that was announced in the preseason. It was deplorable then and even more infuriating just a couple days ago. Houston was playing with a number of key pieces on offense and a couple key guys on defense. CJ Stroud missing the game with a head injury. Tank Dell, of course, out for the year with that lower leg injury. Nico Collins missing the game with an ankle injury. Will Anderson was out on Sunday. And despite all that, the Houston Texans, well, they served karma up to the Tennessee Titans and their petty uniform trolling of Houston sports fans by beating the Titans 19 to 16 in overtime on, yes, you guessed it based on that score, a game winning field goal. It serves you right, Tennessee. I guess I understand you are not going anywhere this year. Even if you somehow figure out a way to win your crappy division, which right now the Jags are hanging on for dear life with both the Colts and Texans, nipping at their heels the titans are somehow the worst team in this division derrick henry looks like an oiled derrick trying to run the football right now i mean he is he's past that proverbial prime at the running back position it's unfortunate because he is one of the most entertaining players in the history of the league but that is a position that has a short shelf life even if you are a physical freak like derrick henry is So kudos to the Texans for earning a few more fans in the city of Houston by doing that to the Titans wearing Oilers uniforms. It's completely inexcusable. If the Titans had any common sense, courtesy, or respect for the city of Houston, they would give the rights and the records of the Oilers to the Houston Texans to let the city have what it rightfully earned through so much emotional expenditure over the years moving on now it's time for a conversation with stand-up comedian louis katz he is going to be headlining at creek in the cave this weekend two shows friday two shows on saturday go to creekandcave.com for tickets check out his website and watch his latest special at louis that's l-o-u-i-s katz.com louis thank you so much for the time how you doing today louis thank you so much for the time how you doing today i'm good man thanks for having me it's my pleasure and i need to start by offering some congrats congratulations on your new special present tense came out a couple months ago had a chance to watch it yesterday in preparation for this conversation it is hilarious dude so uh, great job on that thanks man yeah it's been going really well
1: you know i uh I decided to put it out on my own uh, YouTube channel and at the time I had under 2,000 subscribers and and somehow it's gotten now like uh, 660,000 views, which is pretty amazing for not having very many subscribers at all at the beginning.
0: I'll do you one better than that because I just checked the overall viewership numbers Uh a few Uh minutes ago. It has 666K viewers right now, so apparently it's the (laughs) devil's favorite special of 2023,
1: too. I'll take whoever support I can get.
0: Exactly. (laughs) How great is it for comedians now to be able to put things out on their own through YouTube and not be as beholden to uh, network and the corporate mindset that comes into play, especially because you need to be able to push the limits in comedy to do it right a lot of the time?
1: What's well, cool because I was able to do everything exactly how I well almost exactly how I wanted to do it within the budgetary restraints. But then on the other side, there is that it's that I'm you know there's not we I do have some ads on there, but not many. I'm not making much money back, so it has to lead to ticket sales. And I'm not sure if it means that like if really every year I'm supposed to just throw out this money like uh, into ads, which is basically is an ad for my live show. It's just a lot of money to spend on my own. So it's great to have the freedom. But I don't know. I I, I'm 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 worried about spending this much money uh, every year
0: for the rest of my comedy career. It's not it's not good. It'd be nice to to get paid for it like we used to, you know. I feel like I didn't see a single ad when I watched the special. So do you pretty much just have them at the beginning and the end then?
1: I only actually have them at the very end, which you can do. You can have ads at the end, which make you a little bit of money. But I have, I'm still very much in the red. I have not um, made any money back. I'm hoping to make money back on the album version, uh, getting plays on Sirius XM and Pandora, which is the way that uh, a lot of people make their money back on these specials. Maybe I'll add ads, but I'm 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 not sure. Gotcha. Like, yeah, front front loading ads, but as as you said, like I get to do whatever I want. I don't want uh, ads to be interrupting it, so I think at most I'll have ads in the beginning. I don't want it to be broken up in the middle. I want people to watch it all the way through, so I'm going to not have ads uh, ever in the middle.
0: Good for you! Congratulations on that, because it can be disruptive. I know that people have gotten accustomed to watching comedy shows on on networks and whatnot with ad breaks in them, but it's mm-hmm. uh, it just breaks up the flow of things.
1: Yeah. I mean, if if, it, if I had it my way, it would be on a streaming platform, it would be on a cable
0: platform yeah. and there wouldn't be ads. So I'm going to recreate that experience for people that are watching on YouTube. So I have to embarrassingly admit that I'm in that category of people that you talked about with uh, Giannis Pappas on his podcast within the last couple of months that I just assumed that you were a New York guy, maybe a little bit of stereotyping, the name, the look, the fact that you are based out of <laughs> New York right now, but you took a unique path to get to New York City comedy. You were actually born in Los Angeles, I believe went to yeah. college in the Bay Area before eventually mm-hmm. making your way out to New York. Did you start in the Bay Area when you were at UC Berkeley?
1: Yeah, the yeah the uh, the Bay Area is my comedy home. I started stand up uh, right after graduating, and it was a great scene to start in back then. I I kind of you know it was a totally different comedy world back then, but I I just thought it was really great to start in kind of a smaller scene and then move on to like the back then it was like it was the two A games where you know it's the 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 major leagues were. New York and L.A., and then everything else was minor leagues. And now I don't know if that's the same with social media, also with like Austin in particular, becoming such a comedy um, hub. Um, But yeah, it was great to start there for my first, I think, four or five years. And it was it was such a cool scene because back then, I mean, this is it was this was it was uh, there was a ton of different rooms you could work. And it was weird. There was like two divided rooms like uh or, or different kinds of rooms in the East Bay in Oakland. It was like these black rooms with black comedians and black audiences mostly. And San Francisco would be the opposite and no one worked them both. But I did. So that gave me an exposure to all sorts of different kinds of audiences and uh, really helped me grow as a comedian.
0: So you and I are around the same age. You're 44. I'm turning 46 Mm -hmm. in January. So I'm guessing you started early 2000s. Was Cobb Comedy Club? Was that kind of the comedy store or comedy cellar of the Bay Area back then?
1: Well, it was. uh, There was two competing clubs back then. It was the Punchline. Okay. and Cobbs and Cobbs was a smaller club in the wharf they had a fire and they moved to this, become this giant club and eventually Live Nation bought them both so they're no longer competing or whatever but I came up at the Punchline which is also a classic club it's one of these really old school clubs the cool thing about old clubs now that people got to realize is that they're intimate you can't really that's why it, there's all these fight, like they were going to shut the Punchline down They people rallied to save it because you can't really profit with a 250 seat club anymore um, they want to all these clubs are like three fifty or higher, they're these huge, almost theaters. But it's way cooler to see a club in a, a, a more intimate venue, like the Comedy Cellar in New York, is what, like maybe a hundred people tops, and that makes a better experience. So that's where I started. It's a great club. The Punchline in, in San Francisco. It's uh, Robin Williams has one of his specials is shot there, mm. so it's definitely got some history.
0: Yeah, Creek in the Cave, which is where you're going to be performing uh, bef- the c- weekend before Christmas, is another one of those smaller venues that. Uh, it's almost like working out in a CrossFit gym. If I'm equating the different clubs in town to, uh, to different styles of gym, let's say it's more the CrossFit gym where, uh, it's got a a grittiness to it that plays really well. There's a giant stuffed bear on stage too, that most comedians like to have a little bit of fun with as well. Uh, for you as somebody who's been at it for a long time now, 20 plus years, uh, how much time have you actually spent, uh, honing your craft here in town?
1: in Austin yeah. or in, in um well I mean I've done uh, I have done like several festivals there it was like there was a year when I was there a lot I would just did like I did um uh, maybe a Velveta Room shows oh, yeah. and uh and I did I was at um South by Southwest I was at a you know there's these festivals that have come and gone in the time I've been doing it. there was this festival called Fun, Fun, Fun Fest. I don't know if you remember that oh, or if yeah. you're from there, but that, yeah. there was that for, I did that one. So I was in town, like, it was like, I did all these festivals for like one, two years. And then I, uh, and then I just uh, did not for a while. Um, So I never really worked. I think I worked once Cap City as a feature act. Mm. Um, And I, and, and uh, then I ne- I really never worked there again. So it was, uh, it's kind of been with this resurgence uh, or this, you know, Rebirth of uh, uh, Austin as this comedy mecca that I've been back a lot. I did I did the Creek. I've headlined there before. It's a beautiful room. I was able to do the Mothership. I came through there with David Tell earlier this year. Oh, nice. So I've seen that, and what a great job they've done there. It's gorgeous. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was not one of my main comedy cities coming up, but like in the last couple of years, I've been there quite a few times. And there was there was a period when I was at every festival, like one year, and then and then that all ended.
0: He is stand-up comedian Louie Katz. going to be headlining at Creek in the Cave this Friday and Saturday. Two shows each night. Go to creekandcave.com for tickets. And check out Louie's website. You can follow him on social media through his website. That is louiekatz.com, L-O-U-I-S-K-A-T-Z.com. Coming up, segment two of three with Louie on the other side.
1: It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Elly. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey
0: Ellie Back with stand-up comedian Louis Katz. He is headlining at Creek in the Cave this weekend. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday. Go to creekandcave.com to snag some tickets. And Louie, we are just talking about your experience performing stand-up in Austin. Does it surprise you at all, considering how much you've worked this city over time, that Austin has become this stand-up mecca?
1: Yes, it's so it's so different. In the middle of the last decade, it really seemed like Atlanta was coming this becoming this other uh, spot. Huh. Um, there was a lot of great comics coming out of there. There was all these great rooms and clubs, and they have the advantage of being an actual like entertainment hub. Turner Broadcasting Cartoon Network, which is Adult Swim, and they had all these comedy shows. So there was actually the comedy business of like TV was was based out of there for a minute. And then Austin, I mean, it really came out of nowhere. I mean, I guess Rebecca did move her club down there at one point and there was like rumblings, but I'm always like, until I see it, I don't believe it. So I was like, sure, he's going to, Rogan's going to open a club there. I'll believe it when it opens. And then it opened I'm like, wow. And it really did change. I mean, it's a weird like pandemic story where it just like, it changed
0: everything about, about the town, which is kind of a trip, you know, I don't know. Are you, are you from there? Technically, I'm from the DFW area, but I went to school in Austin at UT Uh and have been here for most of my life at this point. So I claim Austin more than anywhere else in Texas. It's almost like, and
1: you tell me, the culture of the town seems to have been changed by these clubs.
0: You know, it's interesting because Austin was always a fun place to come to for comedians, just based on like interviewing comedians over time and just hearing them talk about this city. Like it was good crowds because it's an open-minded crowd, But Mm -hmm. even though you did have the Velveeta Room and the old Cap City Comedy Club back in the day, and uh, like I remember seeing Doug Stanhope at uh, what was considered a rock bar before it was cool Mm -hmm. for comedians to play rock bars. That was a hell of a show. Uh, At one point he yelled that he was going to stop the show if they didn't turn the channel off of Comedy Central because Carlos Mencia was on the screen at the time. (laughs) But uh, I guess to answer your question, it's not that surprising because Austin, even though it's considered this liberal hub in a conservative state is mm-hmm. has always been willing to have a conversation. And maybe it's the checks and balances provided by the city being sure. in this state – but uh, when Rogan moved here and they started doing shows at Vulcan and Creek and, in the Cave and then when he opened his place up too it's like there's legitimately four to five really good comedy clubs in a very small patch of downtown and from all accounts those rooms are filled most every night because you never know who you're going to get to see and that's not even taken into account Cap City which is it's not quite suburbs it's still Austin proper but that's in the domain so that's another option for people too and this is a city that, uh, that that just craves entertainment and craves good conversations. Obviously, it has the live music capital of the world reputation mm-hmm. to it as well. So it does make a lot of sense that uh, comedy has hit it so big here. And as Rogan has talked about on his show and as other comedians have talked about, one of the interesting things about doing comedy here is you're not trying to do it to impress a TV exec or impress somebody else who may help you turn that into a sitcom or some other sort Sorry. of TV deal. It strictly is about the comedy right now. And it's obviously hyper competitive too, but, uh, overall iron sharpens iron and competition breeds greatness. So we're, uh, we're seeing a lot of good things happen comedy wise at this point.
1: Sure. I mean, I'm lucky that I've, uh, I've never been doing comedy do Impress an executive to my detriment, so I've been <laughs> I've been on that mode for a while of not caring about about that that aspect. I care very much about the crack, but uh, I've been doing it the way I want to do it for a while. So I guess I'll fit in there, and that should that should work out. But I do think, you know, there's nothing like a blue city in a red state. I think those are the best comedy clubs. You know what I mean? Because of that balance that you're talking about. Yeah. It really makes for a very good crowds and very open-minded crowds. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to these shows.
0: Yeah. I feel like Nashville has a little bit of that. Denver sure. may have a little bit of that too. What changes all these cities is they become transplant cities. So they yeah. kind of like, what
1: are they even? Who, what is the local culture, you know? And, and, uh, who actually lives there and who's coming to these shows? And it, and it becomes a little, a little weird like that. You know, uh, I feel like, um, it just becomes a little odd because of that.
0: All right, last question on Austin Comedy, and then we're going to move on to some other things. But mm-hmm. uh, you did mention doing a spot at the Comedy Mothership, which has obviously gotten uh, a ton of love since it opened up back in late March. I've been to sure. a bunch of shows there at this point, and it's a beautiful club. I mean, it just feels like a great space from the audience perspective. What makes it such a good place from a comedian's perspective?
1: Well, I just like, I think it's... Um... I, I find it to be like actually literally beautiful they put they put work into the design so it mm. seems you know comedy has gotten so um kind of hip in the last few decades but like no one designing the interior of the clubs has made it seem cool it still feels every comedy club still feels a little bit like a kind of corny comedy club or like a throwback to like another time some of them are cool i guess the cellar is pretty cool some of the new york ones but I just, I just really appreciate the cool design of the mm. interior. I think it makes the whole thing seem like, man, this is the spot, and this is like a place where I'd, I'd hang out there if it was a bar. You know what I mean? I'd hang out. I just like the way
0: it's, it's, it's
1: set up. It's got a cool character and it's a great vibe. That's, that's what I would say.
0: Mm. So uh, even though your comedy special talks uh, quite a bit about your breakup, I need to give you some congrats because you got married a little bit earlier this year. How yes, has, that's right. How has married life been? I know you all had uh, been living together for a little bit longer than that, but is uh, married life everything that you had hoped and dreamed to this point, Louis?
1: I mean, I don't know what I hoped and dreamed
0: married life
1: would be, but uh, but uh, I'm I'm very uh, happy to be married, and it's been it's been going great. At first, I was like worried. I was like, it took me so long to put out the special. I taped it, you know. I was supposed. I wanted to tape it in in 2020, which of course no one's plans worked out that year, yeah. uh, except for the some some people who made some vaccines who did really well, but everyone else didn't do as well, and uh, and uh, so I had to push it back, and then I, I taped it in May 22, and then it took me till October 23 to put it out. So I was like, oh man, it's like it's really like this big breakup special, but I'm happily married. <laughs> is that is that going to strike people as weird? But I think hopefully people are like, oh, it has a happy ending. It turned out OK. So, uh, um, yeah, I'm I'm a uh, uh, married life has been great. Um, it's just been a whirlwind of a year. You know, we got engaged in January, married in July, honeymooned also in the midst of that and released it, finished and released this special. So it's been a, a crazy year, but of all good things. So I'm pretty I'm pretty uh, happy, I would say. What was the biggest highlight of honeymooning in Japan? Um, the geez, the biggest highlight of—I mean, first of all, I mean the bidets on every toilet, phenomenal. What? Uh, that yes, wow. they're they're just public. I'm telling you, like in a in a in a park restroom has a has a bidet in it. I'm I'm in New York. I'm used to park restrooms being like a hobo bathhouse, <laughs> but these have like robot toilets that are cleaning my ass for me. It is phenomenal. Uh, but I'd say besides the bidets, the people are so friendly. Uh, i I'd, I'd say the cool thing about Japan is it's the most It's it's the country that's the most different from America, but also just as comfortable, if not more comfortable, like more modern. So, you know, you want to go to a place that's exotic or crazy different from here. Like I've been to India and it is exotic and different and so interesting. But it's also like it's you're not going to be generally as comfortable as you would be here. There's there's changes that make it harder, like um and there everything's just easier actually i mean besides the language barrier but people are so
0: friendly i mean it was just it was a great trip as soon as i left i was like thinking about man i gotta go back i would have a hard time in india at this point i think just because of the general reputation of you going there and getting sick but also knowing yes that uh, the way that they clean themselves after going number two is to use the left hand, I believe, and then the right hand is supposed to be for shaking hands and then for cooking too. But how much hand washing is actually going on? Uh, yeah, that, that think, one makes a little bit. Nervous. I assume
1: there's, I assume there's hand washing going on. I well, I went there, I just assumed that, but I didn't even thought about that. I mean, it is, it is technically. I mean, they're using it because they're splashing water up in their ass, which is technically cleaner than paper, maybe, as assuming. That they're washing afterwards. I don't think they're, I didn't, I didn't realize they were digging in there. So if there's digging going on, I mean, man, I hadn't, I hadn't really (laughs) thought about this, but that is the, that is the trip where it's like, you are in the rest of Asia and oftentimes the toilet is literally a hole in the ground. Whereas Japan, the toilet is a robot. So that's that's how advanced it is. You know, it's just it's just a crazy different thing. And it makes it makes, you know, it's embarrassing coming back because they're it's a Tokyo is a bigger city than New York yeah. and somehow it's cleaner than here. And it's well, you know, it's just it's just kind of like, oh, I feel embarrassed, you know, about about how filthy we are. And they're so clean and so friendly. It just it's just a great place.
0: There's just from what I've uh, been told, there's just a general level of societal respect that uh, is human to human. But like. Take, for instance, how they treat their elderly. They revere their mm-hmm. elderly versus elderly people here. And sometimes they they earn it themselves. But uh, elderly people here, unless it's somebody who's a direct family member, nobody gives two you know, what's about it. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, uh, I mean, there's I mean, almost every country is,
1: is better to their elders than, than we are yeah. <laughs> in America, unfortunately. That's fair. Um, but especially in Japan. I mean, the first thing that blew me away there was um, not just that they have um they have these weird like lines going down the street, every sidewalk. And I'm like, what is this about? It's a little column for if a blind person wants to follow it, they can use their cane and it'll take them to, and they can put their cane in this thing and they'll lead them straight down the street. Wow. It seems so easy to do. And it's just, and, and they do that for people. And I, to me, that's just, that just speaks to how um, uh, really they're, they're, they're trying to take care of their community, you know? Um, uh, So, I, you know, they're just, they're just great like that.
0: Very thoughtful. You know, thinking about bidets and also uh, taking it back to 2020, which was a terrible year for just about everybody, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. while everybody was going on their toilet paper runs, my big investment was getting a bidet for, uh, for my house, my wife and kids. Unfortunately, I must have gone too cheap on the bidet because this thing, I mean, they must use it to spray prisoners down who entered jail for <laughs> the very first time. I and mean, this is something where you have to be very careful. Otherwise, you're going to lose uh, skin off of your so unfortunately, yes. it's not getting the use that I hoped it would when it was originally purchased. <laughs> you have to tough it out, and you have to grow thicker <laughs> skin. I think is what you have to do
1: because, but that's true. Because in Japan, man, so you know, you think like I don't need these. I don't need the top of line bidet with the with the with the warm water. It's it's the difference between a warm hug for your <laughs> hole and knives being shot at your <laughs> hole. I mean, these warm ones in Japan were so pleasant. It was so nice. I'm I'm really gotta I am really got to i got to upgrade my bidet here. You know, the one you know, another thing that, that was weird was I figured, you know, my bidet here, um, I thought I installed it wrong because every time I had to turn it on, I uh I had to lean to the right or it wouldn't work right. I had to lean and I'm like, man, I must have installed it wrong. Happened to every bidet I used in Japan. So apparently I have an off-kilter and I didn't know that. <laughs> I learned that in Japan, which is a weird thing to know about myself. <laughs>
0: Hey, you know what? It's all about self-discovery throughout our lives, not just in childhood. So congrats, I guess, on uh, on learning that one. Right. He is stand-up comedian Louie Katz, headlining at Creek in the Cave Friday and Saturday. Two shows each night. Go to creekandcave.com for tickets. It'll be well worth the price of admission. Coming up, one more segment with Louie on the other side. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie.
1: It's Sports Day Plus with
0: Trey Elliott. Back for one more segment with stand-up comedian Louis Katz. He is headlining at Creek in the Cave this Friday and Saturday. Two shows each night. Go to creekandcave.com for tickets. Well worth your time. Also check out his website, louiskatz.com. That's L-O-U-I-S-K-A-T-Z.com. Louis, we were just talking about your honeymoon in Japan. I guess we'll stay Very in positive. Asia now because I heard you mention that you performed some shows in China previously. You've also performed yeah. in continental Europe too. Uh, what mm-hmm. was it like performing in China? Just, you know, uh, obviously uh, people have more respect for other languages outside of the u.s and so china is very fluent in english but did you have to modify Mm. your act at all to to get through to the crowds there china was all expats
1: they were all uh Mm. uh, foreigners living there for the most part a few very few locals maybe maybe a couple but but not many so that was all expat shows the continental europe shows were um were all english and some of them were local and some of them were you know because people move around the eu these days so there's people from different european countries and their common language they all use is 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 english so they can all speak english but i say there's like there's 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 fluent english and then there's a level above that and that's comedy english so the I, i don't enjoy touring in 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 these places where english isn't the first language because uh over the course of the tour, I end up dumbing down the act. And I'm taking out all the it's not just quote references. It's it's literally like things that take you just have to know the language a little bit better to get and I've taken out all the jokes that I really like by the end of the tour and it's and it, and it bums me out. What the one cool one that I really did was um, I did a show in Russia that was um, kind of a last minute thing. I was doing this Baltic tour where we hit Estonia, Latvia. And then it ended in Finland. And then, and then I, I had time off before I was going to Norway and Finland before there was a war. You could take like a basically like a bullet train straight to St. Petersburg. So mm. I decided to do that. And uh I got there and this was like right, this is a while ago. So it was cool when 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 uh when comedy was just first coming up internationally, which is within our life, you know, it's just we're talking like eight years ago. You could find on Facebook, you'd find like you'd look up comedy in the city. You'd meet the first comedian from this country ever, literally the first comedian to to ever uh, be in this country. And I can message them and they'd be like, hey, you're a comedian. You're in town. I'll show you around. And they'd show me around. And it was awesome. So I met up with this. I wish I could remember his name. I I feel bad at forgetting his name. But this very friendly, uh, very uh, great Russian comic who showed me around St. Petersburg. He's like, you want to do a show? I'll set up a little show for you. So we do this show at this little bar. Uh, He sets it up. It's maybe 50 people there. I'm doing the act bombing, bombing Mm. for like half an hour, like no laughs. I'm like, is this, did he do this on purpose? Is this revenge for the Cold War? You know, I feel, you know, (laughs) and there's one guy up front that's laughing and there's a second mic on stage. I'm like, you speak English, huh? And I'm like, can you translate my jokes? So I give him a microphone and now we're doing the act line for line killing for the second half hour they just couldn't understand me at all (laughs) they couldn't speak english (laughs) they're like where they thought they could speak english but not to the level i needed them to and once the jokes were in russian they were crushing so it was pretty cool
0: wow that is cool what a turn of events too good 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 uh thinking of you like uh really uh thought thinking on your feet i guess
1: yeah i mean you think
0: it it wouldn't shouldn't have taken me a full half hour but yes (laughs) So if if I'm uh I don't want to misstate this here, but you are a regular fixture at Skankfest, correct?
1: Uh I've, I've done I've done two Skankfests. I okay. did one when it was uh, just an up and coming small thing in Queens, and then this year I had the pleasure of doing uh, the Vegas shows as well.
0: How crazy is it that that little alternative comedy festival has turned into what it has now?
1: Yeah, it was, it was wild. It's they have so many fans, and they're so they're so um you know they you think they'd be these like wild crazy you know maniacs but they were all very chill there was yeah. like no drama when i was there it was everyone was very respectful and and, and uh, as much as they can be and uh, and they're just they're just fans of comedy you know it was it was pretty cool to see have you been
0: uh, I have not just yet. No, there was a Skankfest Houston that I'm regretting not going to a couple of years ago, but at some hmm. point I'll try and make it there. But again, it's like a wealth of riches thing here in Austin where pretty much everybody sure. who shows up at Skankfest I'm going to be able to see here in town. And uh, unfortunately, as you're uh, now at least partially aware with the uh, the wife, but with a wife and, and two young kids, it's hmm. uh, not as easy to just explain away that I'm going to a comedy festival for uh, three or four days and uh, leave the wife holding the bag in the process. I
1: mean, it's for business. I mean, right? You're going to go there. You're going to have some, have some, record some some podcasts. Like, right?
0: Theoretically. That, no? And if the recordings <laughs> didn't end up happening, then there were some technical issues, you know? That's
1: what I'm saying, man. There's a ways around this. You, got, you can figure it out if you want to go. But I get it. It is like... When you live in a
0: city that's like uh, where everyone's going to come through anyway, you're right. Take advantage of it, you know? So I think Skankfest popularity is uh, just another example of uh, co- comedy being in a sort of golden era right now where sure. – uh, people are very accepting of comedy and maybe it's in response to just how uh, oppressed we all felt in 2020 and 2021. Uh, But with that comes new crowds and with new crowds comes the responsibility of understanding some of the unwritten rules of watching a show at a comedy club which mm-hmm. is why I love asking comedians uh, if they have a most important unwritten rule for somebody listening right now to understand how to conduct yourself, I guess, when you go see a show at Creek in the Cave when you're there, the 22nd, 23rd, or uh, any time after that.
1: Well, first, I would just say that um, I'm from a generation, and it's really every generation until this crowd work craze kind of went nuts here, where uh, that's not the main for most comedians that's not the that's not the crux of the show we actually don't want to talk to you we've prepared things and we would like to say them to you without you interrupting and no I'm not I don't want to talk to you I don't care where you're from I don't care what you do I mean I do it's nice but what I've I have something I prepared that I'd like to show you instead of finding out what you do you know so um how about you know it's just uh you, you you laugh and then you uh, don't laugh and that's it. That's all you really need to do. And uh, just remember, it's not about you. It's about everyone having a good time at the show. And uh, so that means if something bothers you, you just sit that one out. You just don't laugh. That's uh, that's it. That's all you got to do. If something bothers you, I get it. Everything's not for everybody. You cannot laugh at that. Hopefully the next one you like
0: more. You know? That's right. Don't turn it into a Mystery Science Theater 3000 experience.
1: Yes. Laugh no when you that. need to
0: laugh. Clap when you need to clap. And only talk to the comedian if they address you first. That's your key. There you go. It's not yelling yes. it out. You know the the, yeah. the social media clip thing and the crowd work. It's turned into a double edged sword for comedians because it's gotten them more popular, but it has enabled people who don't know any better to think that that is just a part of the experience. When in reality, what totally. you just said is it's not. Like you guys are there uh, doing a performing art. And it's yeah. uh, very interrupting that is disruptive to the entire process, not just ruins it for the comedian, it ruins it for everybody else who has paid a ticket to sit there that night.
1: Totally. And it, and it also is bad. It's um, I mean, look at what happened to Matt Reif. You know, it's bad for for material, too. He was he was a crowd work. And I've heard that I haven't look, I haven't seen a lot of the stuff, but he was I know he was a he was, you know, gained this huge following through crowd work clips. Apparently he is pretty good at crowd work. And then he tried to do a show that's all material and it was, people are saying it was lacking. I don't know, I haven't seen it, but uh, you know, that's what happens when you have to, when you're forced to do, do whatever's working to get the crowd going,
0: then you wanna do, you know, something different, do something based on material. It's hard to translate, you know? Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, last question now, Louie. You're coming to the live music capital of the world. You're a huge music mm-hmm. fan. Uh, what yes. is a music recommendation you have for everybody right now that uh, folks may be unfamiliar with? Oh, man.
1: Oh, I wish I had my phone. I wish I had this coming. I can't remember the Can you grab my phone, baby? Oh, wait, I have my phone. Never mind. Um, <laughs> oh, there's so many new bands. I just I I really do love music. It's my first love and uh uh and uh that's my main it's my main thing these uh, ever always it was it was what i what i loved before before comedy so let me see who do i really like these days that's new um i like what oh idols i love idols uh that's this uh rock band out of england okay. i think they're they're so good um uh who else so idols would i definitely would recommend oh there's this other band they're really trippy i can't remember Okay, so Idols, I would say. And then, uh, sorry, my memory is not the best due to being old. Uh, oh, Wet Leg is dope. There's this band called Wet Leg, also out of England, that's really good. Okay. I love them. And this band called Jockstrap that's really trippy. Um, so I'd say those, those maybe those three right now, just, just off top, or almost off top, once I remember their names. <laughs> Wet Leg and Idols. And the cool thing is Wet Leg and Idols, I like some of their albums, I like full, front to back. Which, you know, how rare is it to, to listen to an album from the beginning to the end? And uh yeah, so that's that's kind of what I've been into lately. Is kind of on, I've been back on my rock, my rock thing. So that's who I'm into. And then strangely enough, I'm into like, I listen to jazz when I write. So it's always old uh jazz stuff. So I will also recommend Duke Ellington, but late Duke Ellington in the late 60s, early 70s. And this dude named Chico Hamilton, who's also uh, a great jazz guy too. So those are my two jazz ones. And those are my rock recommendations. You
0: listen to much Mingus?
1: I love Mingus. Mingus is my is one of my favorite artists of yeah. all time. Oh man, Mingus is, is my favorite. I uh I, I tried to get a Mingus song or a Duke Ellington song to intro the uh the special and I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't make it happen. But man, Mingus is is just my favorite. So and 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 I always love Mingus and I would ask musicians, I'm like, why you know what else can I listen to that's like Mingus? It's Duke Ellington, man. Hmm. You you think you think oh, no one's like Mingus. And every you know, he's such an original. And it's like you listen to this Ellington, it's like, oh, he's he got a lot from him. And there's an album with Duke Ellington and Mingus and Max Roach together that is one of my favorite jazz albums of all time. It's called Money Jungle. Oh, wow.
0: I'm gonna have to check that out. And uh, I'm yeah. gonna encourage people go to louiskatz.com to check out your work. That's L-O-U-I-S-K-A-T-Z. Watch the new special and realize how hilarious it is and that Louis has got some new material that he's going to be flexing at Creek in the Cave. A couple shows right. on December 22nd. That's a Friday, the 23rd, the Saturday as well. Creekandcave.com for tickets there. And you can go to louiscats.com to uh, follow him on social and everything else too. Louis, thank you so much for the time, man. I think I'm going to be hitting up one of the Friday shows, so I look forward to uh, checking out the new stuff. All right, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Now the show is in the books. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow at 6. That includes a conversation with Justin Wells of Inside Texas. In the meantime, have yourselves a great night and hook them. It's Sports Day Plus with Trey Ellie.